it's odd doing it so early in the morning, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> like just after nine o'clock on a Sunday morning. We never record at this time of the day, but it's just like you you're know. actually out of bed this time of the day. It's amazing. Mm. <laughs> on a Sunday, <laughs> <laughs> I have both few things coming up and. Few things happening, a few things to do today, so get it out of the way nice and early while we're still bright and alert and not completely wiped out. And while I've still got a voice. <laughs> that too, that too. Poor Susie. Hasn't been feeling the best. No. No, no. So. <laughs> but I will you do what I can for our listeners because we love you. Yay! <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. So I guess we better do this then. <clears throat> yes. <laughs> <laughs> what the history, 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 history. Hello and welcome to the What the History podcast, your fortnight bits of bizarre history that will make you say what the history. Mm-hmm. I am Trevor Holland <laughs> and I'm Susie Holland. <laughs> and what wonderful bit of bizarre history do you have for us, Susie? Yeah, bizarre, right? This <laughs> is a bit bizarre. But anyway, there has been many things kept from the public over the years so as not to arouse suspicion, alarm or general freaking out with these things surfacing many years later. We humans can be a suspicious lot and sometimes the government keeps things from us so we don't freak out. Such is the case of a top secret World War II radar station bunker in the state of Victoria, Australia. It was so secret that apparently three photos were ever taken of it during wartime, and some say none was taken, and was kept from the public to ensure people didn't hit the panic stations if they found out the war had come to southern Australia. By the time the station was built in 1942, Darwin had already been bombed by the Japanese. This radar station is situated at Cape Otway, home of the oldest surviving lighthouse on Australia's mainland, and was constructed out of concrete on a concrete slab, so it looks like a bit of a box. It's one of the four that was built by the government of the time in response to growing unease that wartime enemies of Germany and Japan would come south to Victoria, and come they did. Equipment is happily rusting inside the two large rooms, and outside is a story of a Japanese reconnaissance plane, more about that later, and dismantled German mines. As an aside, I've only very recently come back from visiting Cape Otway for the second time when I took my girlfriend to see it and we actually got locked in. Uh, but that's a whole another story. Uh, buy me a drink and I'll tell all. <laughs> High up on a hill overlooking the cliffs and oceans with views to the light station sits the number 13 radar station nicknamed the Duva by the Royal Australian Air Force radar unit who was stationed there. The station was built in response to the U.S. steamship SS City of Rayville, which was sunk by German Navy-laid mines nine kilometres off the coast of Cape Otway on 8th of November 1940, in a ship that the Germans stole from the Norwegians off the coast of Western Australia, and they changed the name of the ship from the Storsad to the Passat. The station was in use by June of 1942. Now, suddenly the the war had come to southern Australia, which made people in the know very worried and fearing a public panic built the station in secret. It wasn't the first time that a ship was attacked in Australian waters during World War II. The day before, on November 7th, the British ship Cambridge was sunk off Wilson's Promontory in eastern Victoria. As the SS city of Rayville was sinking, the light station keeper raised the alarm as he saw the mine explosion and fishermen from nearby Apollo Bay, beautiful part of the world, rescued 37 members of the crew from the ship with one being lost. 
becoming the first naval casualty in Australian waters in World War II. Reports of the sinking, dated November 10, 1940, were labelled top secret. The station tracked enemy submarines from 1942 to 1945, and the purpose was to detect and intercept enemy craft. On February 26, 1942, six days after the Japanese bombed Darwin in the Northern Territory of Australia, the Japanese submarine I-25 was moored off the northeast tip of King Island in deep water, and when attempts were made to contact them, the Japanese pretended not to understand, as they were busy doing reconnaissance of their own, with a plane that took off from the submarine and it flew over Cape Otway and into Melbourne, passing over at 300 metres in the air, that's very close, and over several army bases, out to and slipping back to the submarine. The guns at the Williamstown base were allegedly being maintained, so the plane wasn't fired upon. It was decided by the Japanese not to bomb, as there wasn't a naval force present in any of the places that they flew over. So this was also kept secret from the public. The story breaking on August 20, 1945, just before the Japanese surrender in September that year. Now, really, that's a bit of a what the moment for me. After Darwin, this would have sent so many people into a panic if they knew about these missions. Now, if you ever get down anywhere near the Great Ocean Road in Victoria, I invite you to go and see the light station with the surrounding buildings. This place is so very, very huge and very, very windy and it's absolutely beautiful. And it's so very important in Australia's maritime history, not just in wartime, but in peacetime too. So allow time to go and visit the Cape Otway Light Station. It's fantastic fun. We are not sponsored by the Cape Otway Light Station. We are not, but I just want to tell everyone how gorgeous it is down there. Absolutely. I'd love to take you down there. I think you'd... Yeah, you can spend all day there and have picnics and things, and it's really pretty. And yeah, but yeah, the um, the Duva <laughs> is is hidden up, and you have to go up into the, the up into the mountain, the little trees. Well, I guess you probably would want a secret radar station hidden. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was covered in things, and yeah, the, and it's a bit eerie, really, the path going up to it because it's a little bit overgrown, and it's just it's just eerie that this played such a big part mm. in Australia's um, wartime history. It, it's, it's Not bit... many people know about it. No, <laughs> no, it's pretty amazing, really. Wow, so you did a war story, people. That's normally what I do. I know, I know. I'm not really comfortable doing war stories, but I think this was really important. And it's a really easy one to segue into mine from. Uh... <laughs> because mine... Can't help yourself. Also <laughs> relates to events in World War Two. Oh my goodness! Oh. Who ever thought? I know. I know. You're a, you are a crazy man. You I haven't done a war one for ages. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Check out the Emu War and our um, podcasts of past and the Honey War. <laughs> I think the Emu and War is the funniest thing ever. The Yellow Fleet. Oh. <laughs> And You're getting a bit of a reputation, just, aren't you? Just go back through the archives. You'll, <laughs> you'll find you'll find plenty of fun ones. Oh God! <laughs> anyway, moving, moving on. right along. Moving ah! on. Yes, we were singing that song from the Muppet movie earlier. <laughs> okay. Now, when you look at advances in technology, you quickly realise much of it comes from military advances. Wireless communications, GPS positioning, and the internet are just a few examples. But not all military research has led on to bigger and better things. Some things remain concepts, ideas that are never developed, while others can get a lot of traction before the question, what the, is asked. Mm. 
let's head back to the 1940s again. Again. <laughs> World War II was underway and defence departments were striving to find ways to combat the enemy, protect their own soldiers and reduce civilian casualties. In January of 1942, again, <laughs> well here. barely a month after the Japanese had attacked Pearl Harbor, an American dentist came up with an idea that could wreak havoc on a Japanese city, but unlike what eventually happened, it could also reduce civilian casualties. Dr. Lytle S. Adams had remembered visiting the Carlsbad cabins in New Mexico and being impressed by the swarms of Mexican free-tailed bats and their ability to travel and roost almost anywhere throughout the state. After capturing a few of the critters, he came to realise they could fly at high altitudes, over long distances, and carry significant weight. Dr. Adams sent a letter to the White House with his plan, which many would have considered a prank, but something in the letter must have resonated as it made it to President Roosevelt who arranged a meeting between Adams and the head of wartime intelligence, Colonel William Donovan, complete with a presidential letter which stated, in part, and I quote, This man is not a nut. End quote. (laughs) (laughs) I tried to give a straight face for that. So difficult. So, what was Adams' great plan? He proposed collecting sufficient bats and attaching small incendiary devices to them. They could then be refrigerated, putting them into a hibernation-like state, and placed in large container that could be dropped from an aircraft. Once a container reached a certain level, it would break apart, releasing the bats into the air. The bats would then spread out and find places to roost around the target city. These would largely be little nooks and crannies that would be difficult for people to reach. After a set time, the bombs attached to the bats would go off starting thousands of fires across the city simultaneously that would not be easily detected and, once a fire took hold, be incredibly difficult to stop. The plan was taken so seriously that Adams led teams of scientists on bat collecting trips to examine the properties of different species. They finally settled on the bats that started it all and captured hundreds, shipping them back to Washington in refrigerator trucks. With this, Project X-Ray was born. A mock Japanese village was established at a base in Utah, where a trial run of the bat bombs was undertaken. The village was significantly damaged, with the chief chemist of the operation stating, quote, The regular bombs would give probably 167 to 400 fires per bomb load, where X-ray would give 3,625 to 4,748 fires. End quote. Things did not go so smoothly at the base near the Carlsbad caverns. A bunch of bats escaped after being fitted with explosives and destroyed the entire test range of the Carlsbad Army airfield. Oh dear. A number of them were found happily roosting under a fuel tank. Hmm. Ouch. Yeah. Plenty more tests were scheduled and nearly $2 million had been invested in the idea of these flappy weapons of destruction. (laughs) Flappy weapons. But in 1944, Project X-Ray was shut down. Not because of the cost or the occasional test going awry. Not even due to someone thinking that maybe they shouldn't be making exploding bats. (laughs) Nope. The research was stopped so that more funds could be directed to a more promising, nice air quotes there, research team. The ones working on the Manhattan Project or the nuclear bomb. Since this is meant to be a fun podcast, I won't mention any more about what happened with that. Adams, however, maintained and defended his idea particularly that he believed it could have caused devastation in Japan, but with a very small loss of life. He moved on with his life and worked on, amongst other things, 
a fried chicken vending machine. <laughs> but that is a story for another episode of What the History. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, exploding bats. Yeah. That's poor bats. I know. I feel so sorry for the bats. And put into hibernation. Yeah. Against their will. Well, I think, Crap. well the hibernation seems the least cruel of it all. Uh, yeah, we don't con- we don't condone exploding bats. We don't. No, not at all. Especially, I think my sister would have a lot of issue with bats because with that. Yeah, she, she loves, loves bats. bats. <laughs> Hi, Vic. <laughs> I'm getting better. <laughs> the bats are safe now, Vicky. The bats yeah, are safe. It's all right, Vic. Yeah, your children are safe. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note. Thank you very much for listening to the latest episode of What the History. And Susie, you've done so well. I know you're not doing oh, well. Oh, no, I've barely so, got a voice left. I know. So it's well. insane. I don't like this thing at all. It's been hanging around for the last week. I was really hoping to get rid of it. It will be gone soon. Oh, it will God. be gone soon. So I'm sorry if my version of the podcast sounded a little bit flat and not my usual happy self, but... Yeah, but, yeah, apologies. But, you know, I still want to do the podcast. I don't want to just not do it just because I'm feeling like crap. We do it for you guys. Soldiered on. We soldiered on. Soldiered on. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've, we've done it before when we've both been sick as dogs, so, you know. Yeah, and I'm so still good. in my pyjamas, which, you know, it's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> I've got Doctor Who and um, Civil War on today. There we go. Um, yeah, Avengers Civil War, not American Civil War or English Civil War. Yeah, well, you're not sponsored by Doctor Who. We're not or sponsored the by Avengers. anyone. We're not sponsored by anyone, guys. Come and help us. You can sponsor us. We you can mind. sponsor us. That would be awesome. <laughs> and, of course, I think oh, we're God. getting off track. Stop. <laughs> we need to get Susie oh, away from this so that she can take it easy for a bit. Oh, Susie, I'm still waiting for my red Tristan roses. Oh. <laughs> If you want to know more about what we've talked about, let's push through here. Or else it's just going to go Sir completely Tristan. off the rails. All our references are noted in the podcast description down below. And, uh, and of course, you can head to our homepage, wthpod.rufusproject.com, to check out our previous episodes and the references there. And you can also leave a comment about this episode on the homepage. Other ways you can get in touch nice. with us. <laughs> Other ways you can get in touch with us. Oh, oh boy! Uh, you can head to our Facebook page, the What the History Podcast Facebook page. You can find us on Twitter at pod underscore what. Uh, or if you uh, have a search around for hashtag WTHpod, that's a good way to find us. Or you can even email us at WTHpod at rufusproject.com. We would love to hear from you. And uh, certainly what you think of the podcast. And, and, and if you've got any ideas for future subjects, we would love to hear that yeah. too. Cool. So I think we should definitely wrap things up. Uh, let Susie have a nice cool drink or something. And oh, hot drink. Nice hot drink. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we will be back in a couple of weeks' time with some more bizarre bits of history to make you say, What, what the, the history? history? And it's also going to be our anniversary. I wasn't going to tell them that yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I can cut that out. Yes, you can. Yes. I'm going to. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>